with Long Island Local News on Thursday, October 26, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Early voting begins this Saturday in New York State, and East End voters can vote at any of the 27 polling places in Suffolk County through November 5th. Election Day 2023 is Tuesday, November 7th. Beth Young and East End Beacon reporting all uh, Suffolk locations will be open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. October 28th through 30th, from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. on October 31st and November 1st, noon to 8 p.m. on November 2nd and November 3rd, and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. November 4th and 5th. This year, there are six locations on the East End, some of which have changed from previous years. The voting site in Southhold Town is now the town's recreation center. That's set 970 Peconic Lane in Peconic. It had previously been at Mattatuck. Riverhead site is now the American Legion Post 273 at 89 Hubbard Avenue in Riverhead. It had previously been in Aquabog. An additional site has been added to uh, St. Mark's Episcopal Church at 40 Main Street in West Hampton Beach. Stony Brook University Southampton Campus Student Activity Center at 39 Tuckahoe Road in Southampton will continue to be an early voting site along with Windmill Village at 219 Akabonic Road in East Hampton. Early voting on Shelter Island will be at the Shelter Island Youth Recreation Center at 1 Bateman Road on Election Day, November 7th. Voters can only vote at their regular hometown polling site from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Look up your polling site and make sure you've registered to vote at vote411.org. In other news, the Tuckahoe Common School District is in the early stages of contemplating the construction of a new high school that could be a fresh start for some Shinnecock students following a trend of poor test scores, repeated accusations of racism, and claims of mistreatment at Southampton High School. Quote, we're right at the very beginning stages of finding out what this would be and nothing is going to happen without the Tuckahoe community's approval. School Superintendent Len uh, Skujevic said on Tuesday, so I don't want anyone thinking that this is going anywhere until it's something that they want. End quote. Michelle Troring reporting on 27East.com that the first step is a feasibility study, the administrator explained. And while the district is currently exploring its options, it doesn't have a plan yet in place. But despite preliminary uh, nature of the discussions, Shinnecock leaders stress that momentum is growing and the Tuckahoe High School could someday be a reality. According to New York State Assemblyman Fred W. Thiel Jr., there are a couple ways to build a high school for Takaho, the first is to merge with another school district, a move that failed at the polls in 2014 when Takaho and Southampton had proposed a merger. The second is to dissolve the current common school district, which only allows for pre-K through eighth grade and recreate it as a union-free school district, which includes high schools. That option would mean a redesignation as a union-free school district requiring authorization From the state ledge, the assemblyman anticipates that state building aid would help with the project itself. But for the most part, given Tuckahoe's combined wealth ratio, the majority of it would still have to be financed through a bond and the taxpayers would pay for the majority of it. He said among more than 700 school districts in New York State, only 21 of them are common school districts, according to Thiel. And finally, the median home price on Long Island Excluding the East End, rose 3.2% to $640,000 in the third quarter, according to a Douglas Elliman and Miller Samuel report released today. The median sale on southeastern Long Island, the Hamptons, was $1,417,500, 11.4% lower than the same period a year ago. The North Fork median price rose 2.1%, almost busting that $1 million marker in the third quarter at $999,950. North Fork has seen prices soar since the pandemic started. Back in the third quarter of 2019, the median sale on the North Fork was only 629000 As reported in Newsday, Long Island home prices didn't fall even as mortgage rates climbed above 7% over the summer, but higher rates have meant fewer transactions. There were 
4,550 homes on the market on Long Island, excluding the East End at the end of September. That's about two-thirds fewer homes than were up for sale during the third quarter of 2019 before the pandemic led to a surge in demand. Reading the weather in Bohemia in honor of Monk, joining us for the second segment this morning, underwritten by William Risk Gallery, looking like a mostly sunny Thursday in Bohemia with a high near 72 degrees. Southwest wind, 6 to 9 miles per hour, partly cloudy tonight with a low around 55 degrees. Calm wind becoming southwest around 6 miles per hour after midnight. Right now it's 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more plastic track. I'm definitely hopping over Lola Tone's plastic toy record player. It's a placement. It's like a placeholder. Just so I can get over to uh, the records um, track. And, you know, I'm not going to play it just because of that reason. So I'm going to play uh, Plastic Fantastic Lover Jefferson Airplane. And then I'm going to bunny hop past Lola Tone and play Dead in the Wildfires, play my records. We've got Campbell Station, leave my records. And then we have the Alley Cats cover of Corinne Bailey Ray's Girl, Put Your Records On. I think hers is just Put Your Records On. Though she does say that in the lyrics. I'm Jenna Volpe. This is Jefferson Airplane. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you you love on W on 88.3 FM throughout Eastern Long Island and Coastal Connecticut. 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio. Her trapezoid thermometer taste All the red tape is mechanical rape Of the TV program waste Data control and IBM Science is mankind's brother But all I see is draining me On my plastic fantastic lover
All right, this this next little bit will only matter to the person who might be standing on the the porch of the WLIWFM studio, and that is that 53 Hill Street is around the back of the building. The nice person in the passenger seat of your car that was pointing back there was correct. That's where you're supposed to go. Uh, I'm going to go and let them know that they're in the wrong place. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Campbell Station. Uh, these are the Alley Cats covering Corinne Belly Ray. Uh, put your records on. It's from their Careless Whisker record. Ah, I see what you did there. 2014. Little cover here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the weekday morning and midnight show featuring music from all decades and genres. Uh, and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Three little birds sat on my window, and they told me I don't need to worry. Double Dutch on the concrete Maybe sometimes we got it wrong But it's alright The more we seem to change The more we stay the same Don't you think it's strange? Girl, put your records on Tell me your favorite song Just go ahead, lay your head down. You're gonna find yourself. 
Alley Cats leading us to the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour, a little after 1 o'clock if you're listening to the replay. Time to let our hair down with Monk. Joining us for the Hot Sights and Sounds segment underwritten by William Riss Gallery. Good morning, Monk. Welcome back. Good morning, Gianna. Thanks for having me back. Nice to hear you again. It's nice to be talking with you. All right, so we're talking musings with the Golden Sparrow. Uh, You're going to be doing a reading tonight, right, at Connecticut Connecticut. How am I, am I? How do I say it correctly? Connecticut. Yeah. Connecticut. Yeah, named after the river. Okay. Yeah, that's actually it's not directly related to the book, okay. but it's oh. still poetic, and um, that's um, it's a poetry reading with um, a wonderful musician, Marissa Soba. She's oh, a cellist, cool. and she's got a new electric harp, and I'm bringing my singing bowl, so we're going to do poetry and music combo. Wow, that's going to be a beautiful, yeah. very serene event. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's mostly serene, a little you know lively, but you know sort of serene too. Yes, <laughs> and it, that's a connect quad in Bohemia. Because you get you get it all with your books. You know, there's a there's a lot there's uh, talk about geopolitics, musings on propaganda, on corruption, debt, ethnic cleansing, uh, but there's certainly a lot of serenity as well. And you tie it all, I guess, like the 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 meditation on the golden sparrow is sort of like the wing upon which the narrative flies. When did you write that meditation? I like that, by the way. That's okay. very well said. The, like, the wings. Uh, that's, wow, yeah, you're, you know, you're waxing poetic. Yeah, at 4 o'clock this morning, things come to you. All right, <laughs> Yeah, that was actually in 2016. That book was um, very spontaneous. Someone... Um, had given me a typewriter. Right. Someone, someone had left a typewriter outside a cafe, and then the person who owned, ran the cafe knew that I was a writer, and she gave me the typewriter, and it Aww. was, it was like a, it just kind of spontaneously started happening. So that's why it's a very stream of consciousness uh, book, and it's kind of like, you know, like you touched upon in my writings, like it's kind of like thinking out loud or what happens in in the course of a day. You know, you. You look on the news and you see the geopolitics and then you go outside and you see birds and then you try to do this, do that, yeah, meditate, talk to people. So that's that's some of my writing kind of try to convey that, that flow of life and how we can, as that Corinne, Corinne song says, yes. you know, find yourself. You're going to find yourself somehow in there. Yeah, and that the way you got the typewriter very much ties into like the tantra, the rubbing off of people and things onto each other. Uh, do you want to briefly talk about the concept of, of original instructions? I really love that, that indigenous idea. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can only, I can't really fully speak to it because I've right. heard it from in, indigenous and native peoples. Um, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give my take on, you know, my, my view on it would be that we have, like, that we're born with, it's kind of like these original instructions almost, um, kind of like in a in this cosmic spiritual way that you're kind of born with a purpose and that you come into this physical body with a sense of the original instructions which isn't just about you but it's also how to care for the earth and you know all the the birds and the trees and and how to get along with everybody but these original instructions are kind of that like anchor it's all goes passed way back. down yeah all the way you know we're talking about the uh, the white buffalo calf woman I think that maybe that's the myth. Again, we'd have to talk with someone. That's one that, yeah, that's a Lakota people, and that's part of their their story. That's um, you know, maybe a more recent part of their history. But the original instructions, in my understanding, is it really goes way back. All the way. Um, you know, it's kind of like a, I guess one metaphor would be, you know, you have a little girl or whatever. As she grows up, you you tell her certain things that she'll remember. I liked. And that's I liked like you said her original I, instructions. I liked. Um, the metaphor you use in the book, which is about nest building, you know, that oh, okay. all the birds, they, they build nests, but it's because it's it's taught over and over and over and over again, um, right. going all the way back. Yeah, and it's passed down without without a book, <laughs> that right. kind of knowledge. Yeah. We're so used to, you know, web searching everything, but here's these birds that they know this. And I actually thought of that the other day. I was I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed, like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. 
And then I was thinking of the Oriole. I don't think I put that in this book, but the Oriole. Oh my God! I've I had been read somewhere that they such a big thing with Orioles this summer. They they like it's like fifteen thousand stitches that they make a nest in like you know two weeks or something. And I thought, wow, I'm getting all hyped about what to do, and I'm just just be like the Oriole, do one stitch, one stitch. It's it's like all the same thing, you know, rather than getting too uh, too uh, excited about one particular thing or nervous. So yeah, what, what, what where did you see Orioles? Right. <laughs> Have you seen them? They're beautiful. I mean, it's the it's okay. Well, I I saw an Oriole right, and then I've been seeing a lot of orange and yellow birds, mm-hmm. and then I found this like beautiful yellow feather and then Mm. i i was talking i was talking to someone about orioles and then my father came to visit and he gave me it was a bank i made it was just a cardboard box that i glued like coins and stickers and things i cut out of magazines and 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 on the one side of the box i had cut out an oriole and I was like, hmm. what, what are the chances, man? And, and just, and you know, this goes along with one of the questions I had. This is a, a golden sparrow book, but other birds definitely get airtime. We got great blue herons, <laughs> wrens, canaries, chickadees. My connection mm-hmm. with uh, them was we had a ceramic chickadee in the front door of our childhood home. You would see them, and this ties in with what we're talking about, following experiences of existential dread throughout your travels. So do you mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit more about those and and, and about messages, you know, like that maybe birds well, that's like the, yeah, the, bring? The, the specific for me, the chickadee, which, you know, I think most people know, they're tiny little birds. They're like super high energy. Yeah. And they're just, they're bouncing around. They're making these little adorable, you know, high-pitched noises. And I don't even, I lose track of time, but like many, many years ago, I just, I remember being in kind of this funky mood and this, this little chickadee was like right up in my face and it just it like transformed it transformed me my mood and it was like oh wow uh you know it cheered me up and then again i don't remember the time frame but like a bunch of years later it happened again and it happened again and after a bunch of times i'm like wow this this is for me what the the chickadee like the chickadee is like this ally that's when i've gotten in this this uh, mood or something sort of existential crisis moment there comes the chickadee, uh, maybe not every single time, but frequently enough to have this, you know, respect and love of the chickadee for helping me, helping me with the journey. So that's part of what the message of the book is, you know, how the birds are our friends and allies and um, along with just taking care of them in the environmental sense of preserving, you know, there's a lot of species issues going on and loss of birds, but so, but they, they serve a, you know, really wonderful um, function along with being, the way we like to look at them. Yeah, and people too. You know, it's like we, there's there's a heck of a lot of bad we could get into when it comes to people and how they they deal or or react or respond or whatever. But you know, think about that person that gave you a typewriter and how just mm-hmm. what a beautiful uh, gesture. And and these things happen all the time. And if they're not happening enough to you. Um, uh, maybe create some for others, um, and some will come back, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's a gift and knowing, you know, what what some somebody likes or what what they do and sort of what their function is when you you, you get you know there's something that ah, I can't use this, but somebody else I know uh, can. So that's uh, that's that kind of lack of ownership thing where it's just kind of getting some, getting something to the right person. Could be your book, okay. Musings with the, the Golden Sparrow. You, you dedicate this book to anyone who's experienced trauma uh, and why uh, such could be in line with the Buddha, considering it took the Buddha some time to become the Buddha, to find the middle way. Uh, can you talk about why why you did that, why you uh, dedicated the book to uh, yeah, that's... folks like me? That's that's actually one of the poems I'm going to read tonight. It's kind of a lighthearted poem about the Buddha, uh, the Buddha driving in the middle lane. Because I think about you know driving around Long Island can be kind of crazy sometimes. So oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, how do I stay centered? Okay, be like the Buddha, oh, stay in the God. middle lane. Because <laughs> that's 
that's the middle the middle way in, in a Buddhism in a in a simplified nutshell was that he was born into um like a you know wealth in the palace he had everything and then he went out into the world and saw the suffering and decided to become ascetic and just deny himself everything and then he realized those were two extremes right you know the the hedonism and the denial so that's that's where he came upon the middle way so yeah it took it took a lot and that i think you know we're all we're all dealt a different kind of package of, of suffering in, yes. in in life that we need to uh, work through so that that in its sense it's like trauma is part of you know the package of what we deal with and how how to you know obviously there's so many ways to deal with it and it's it's, it's become a big thing too now with the the in healing and trauma and um i think that also the native like native people i've heard say that the trauma you know, the, the part of the, the book is about separation and, and part of that trauma is that we've lost touch with the birds and the, you know, the nature vibes and the earth. Right, right. That, that if we can kind of feed on that more and give back too, not just feed on it, right. but give back. I mean, what do people like to do on their day off or their weekend? They go out and look at the ocean or they go for a walk in the woods. So I think that's, that's a simple, simple way to help heal trauma, not to belittle there's two. You know, There's deep, two. It's deeper like, emotional stuff. You know, like like with the Buddha, where you got to have both a very Aristotelian, you know, uh, avoiding extremes. But you got to honor the beauty and the good stuff and the simple, you know, the sun shining, you know, mm-hmm. the, the leaves changing, the chickadee all up in your face. But also honor and recognize... The suffering inside. I I only did one guided uh, Buddhist meditation at mm-hmm. uh, the center on the North Fork, and when I okay. was and and I found it through this um, one of those spots of of like uh, where my own suffering lies and and what it looks like. And I, when I was coming out of the the meditation, single tear rolling down my cheek. And it felt good to see mm. it and honor it and then accept it and feel like, you know, it's okay because, exactly. you know, it's, 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 it's okay that it's there. It's a part of it. Uh, yeah, that's beautifully said, uh, Gianna. That's, yeah, I think you really hit the, you hit it there because that's, it's like the feeling is okay. I think it is like this built up avoidance sometimes of, right. of dealing with stuff and it just exacerbates it. It's like, it's okay to feel whatever's going on. Yeah. Kind of let it wash through. Amen. All right. So getting back to your typewriter, um, <laughs> let's talk about who Felix Adler was and, and what the ethical culture movement is. Um, yeah. I mean, I went, I went to the ethical culture school in, um, in Manhattan. In, I didn't um, know that elementary school and then i just the typewriter was that, it's an adler typewriter you went to elementary school yeah yeah okay and so tell me more yeah. tell me more i don't know that much he was okay. i've looked it up a little bit but he was um uh felix adler he was he like started it was like this ethical it was like a movement of ethicalness or something I, you know embarrassingly i forgot exactly what it, it's been a while since i looked remember what exactly he did but it was like an ethical movement uh, I guess having to do with you know more human humanistic and treating people fairly kind of thing is the gist. So that was yeah that was that was the high school that or the elementary school when I happened to get the tighter the typewriter it was just like connecting you know connecting word dots and going where it goes. Interesting. I'm looking him up now because I like well, yeah I know everything. He okay and... so he was meant to follow his father's footstep as rabbi of uh, the congregation, and then he gave this sermon called Judaism of the Future, and it shocked the congregation. I'm, uh, all right, I'm reading Wikipedia, so take this. Okay, yeah. He didn't once yeah. mention God, according to these, which is, it, it looks like there's a lot of citation here. Um, so it said that um, it was his first and last sermon that he gave, um, and then he he uh, he got a teaching position at Cornell. He was a non-resident mm-hmm. professor of Hebrew and Oriental literature. Yikes! I don't know if yeah, that's more than you know. I was aware of when I was in elementary school. Believe me. 
Okay, so and it said that he was popular with the students. He discovered he discussed novel religious ideas while illuminating contemporary labor struggles and power politics. He was attacked as an atheist, and then in in eighteen seventy six, Cornell declined to accept the grant that paid his salary. And then he became the chair of political and social ethics at Columbia, where he taught until his death in 1933. Um, it's it's he was uh, he, you know he had a lot of uh, controversial beliefs according you know according mm-hmm. to time and and whatnot, but um, uh, cool stuff. Remember much about you know elementary school? Just that you know there's a like open mindedness, and there were some classes that were like ethics classes where we were posed questions, almost like maybe a Zen koans, like you know okay, there's a bunch of people in a in a lifeboat, you know who who gets to, it. It was like it got, I think it got me to think you know think a little differently, yeah. you know like who 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 needs to be who has priority or who who's the most important, you know take care of the children first yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, so definitely a other than that, I don't. He was a passionate. He was a passionate person, and you know, a revolutionary according to the circles in which he he lived. Um, but it's it's really cool stuff, and I always like the. Uh, can we talk a little bit about a Ruth, who Ruth was, and living near Pikes Peak? Because you were also out oh, in, in Colorado. Yeah, that's a mem- Yeah, yeah. She's a family, uh, a, a longtime family friend. That when I was growing up, she was kind of like uh, an aunt or or somebody I'd go visit. Her and her husband. And um, she was, she just, when I was younger and writing poetry, she always, uh, she's like the only person, that every time I ever read a poem, she, the first thing she'd say was, read it again, oh <laughs> right away. So, she, and, and she came to visit me when I lived in Colorado, and there was a, um, called the Pine Siskin, which I did not know of that bird. So I think that's another connection with the birds that we're talking about is, is like, I didn't know that bird, and then she showed up, and then I knew that bird. And it was kind of like whatever that mysterious connection that. is with, you know, that. someone or a person or persons. I love that. I had that. The, the Ruth, I, Ruth as, as an archetype, right? That person is so important. The person that sees a young creative and mm-hmm. fosters that and encourages yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it, it, that's very true. And then also that kind of filling in the gap of trauma. One of my dear friends that I mentioned in the book, when he moved away, there was yes. like this huge gap because I used to go visit him and talk to him. And then I just, I remember it was a bunch of, it was like more sparrows showed up in the backyard. It was like they were coming in to fill to fill some gap. Yeah. So that, however that relates to uh, trauma in a non-clinical way, that. You know, that's, I think that's some of that magic of the birds, and you know, it's, it doesn't have to be birds. It could be any anybody or any 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 being, but the birds seem to have a way to to kind of show up like that. Healing is possible, um, as you mentioned in musings. It needs to be um, holistic, and what I mean by that is like it can't just be one dimensional. You know, mm-hmm. you can't. It, it's got to be on multi leveled kind of healing um but it's possible yeah i think that that the multi-level is important because a lot sometimes you know people have a recurring occurring issue that they'll they'll kind of partly heal from but it's not it's not necessarily complete healing right they haven't gotten all the roots of it yeah you can you know you can take a simplified you can take aspirin i have a headache oh i take aspirin i feel better Oh, but then another, you know, a few days later, I have, oh, I got another headache. I take aspirin. I feel better. So it's like it's it's a partial healing, but it's not getting to the root, which you know maybe there's other layers to it. Or, I mean, sometimes headaches. I just sit in the dark in the quiet. It's like almost like telling me I need to have some kind of vision or something deeper. That's a deeper level. It's like so, a tr- well, it's like a tree, right? Because you know you can get one root, which maybe that mm-hmm. aspirin does, but trees have many. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. if you and cut, they go deep, <laughs> right? Well, they don't go as you know. I didn't know, but most trees, their roots go. Uh, huh. They're not. They're more shallow. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. 
Yeah, they're they're strong I, though, right? Yeah, like well, they, yeah, but they they're <laughs> they more they're they're more horizontal than hmm. than vertical. Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah, look, look I didn't up really, that some more. Yes, look into it, monk. All right, so yeah. we can see you tonight, right? Seven o'clock. When are you guys getting started at? Kinnikawa. Yeah, seven o'clock at the Kennecott Library in Bohemia. Here we go, Marissa Soba, and she has uh, mentioned her. She has an entertainment company, the Blue Moon Music Company on Long Island, and she teaches violin, viola, cello. She's a wonderful cellist. I love the cello, so I just I like. She's going to play some without me reading, just so I can can hear the beauty of her cello. Beautiful instruments um, and impressive because it, a good cellist cello player however it's said uh you gotta lug the thing so if you love it you lug it and that's like (laughs) you know that's an you know it's another reason why some folks don't stick with it and so it's like really like you know when you're when you're in the presence that's a that's a good bumper sticker there if you love it you lug it yeah and then you have your cello right on the side of the bumper yeah, I actually started taking some cello lessons, and I've kind of, I've kind of slacked. But I took some from her, and she's a really good teacher. And then I just somehow got the idea to have her, you know, do the poetry and music, which I love because when I when I when I read, I have my own rhythm of reading the poem. But when I read with the music, so I she'll have play to go... while you're reading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is gonna yeah. be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and she's like we. She has different, you know, depending on the poem, it could be like a little bit jazzy or a little bit classical. Or she, she's really good at picking up the mood of the poem, and then it, it, it turns it into another, another piece of art because, like, I, like I was saying, the um, when I hear the music, I have to read it differently, right? Because it really is like the heart space and the emotion it touches makes me read it differently than I'm just reading the words on the page, which, which you, uh, Gil Scott Heron, who. Yes. Actually, he went to Fieldston High School where I went. That's an uh, that's an really? extension of the Ethical Culture School. Yeah. So that song you played, he said something like "Words are the mind, and the soul is the notes," or something yes. like that. Yes. And then, I like and that line because I I, yeah. I had to ch- I checked in with with Ed German before playing playing that track because I wanted to make sure, like you know, it, it, playing it and how it would be perceived, uh, because of 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 the content of the track. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because it it is about jazz and the black experience, and I I, I never want to you know appropriate or or right. be misinterpreted. Uh, but I put that track by itself with PM Dawn's plastic because I felt like those two mm-hmm. tracks were having a conversation about the same thing. Yeah. So man, can I read one little quote from the book? Please, please do. Yeah, it's a room because I thought of it this morning. I was like, you know, how okay, how am I going to sum up the book? And it's a Rumi quote, and um, it's a translation. Rumi's the wonderful 13th century mystic Persian Sufi dancing poet, and it kind of, it gets to the essence of the book. He wrote, uh, "Listen to the reed, how it makes complaint, telling a tale of separation. Ever since I was cut off from my reed bed, men and women all have lamented my bewailing." Everyone who is sundered far from his origin longs to recapture the time when he was united with it. Beautiful. I think that that conveys a lot, you know, how each each day and whether we're, you know, far from home, original land, or whether we just forgot to look, go out and take our shoes off and touch the the, the backyard grass. You know, it's like we're we're looking for this um, wholeness and unity that that you know to to balance or not to balance but to uh to get past the separation to find the middle lane as it were <laughs> Monk, uh we'll see you tonight at kunaquat library seven o'clock i'm gianna volpe that was monk this Thanks is so sun june and you whoever you are out there you're awesome you just heard the hot sights and sounds segment underwritten by william risk gallery on long island's only local npr radio station wliwfm Records do that crate of old forty fives. I walk to your brother's house in spring.
Thanks to our guests this morning, Robert Atone and Monk, our underwriter, William Russ Gallery, and all of you listener supporters of WLIWFM, leading you into the NPR News Break with Kelly McFarlane here on WLIWFM. When 